when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is July 31st, 2017, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio. I am your host, Austin Walker. Joining me, Patrick Klepek. Daniela's sick. Rob is is taking the day off. It's the end of July. Not sick. Not sick. Are you he's, sure? He's just a... Is oh, he not Rob is sick? not sick. Rob is not yeah, sick. Yeah, Rob's not sick. Rob just he's, just en- he's enjoying himself. Yeah, he's living his life, his best life. I hope. That's all good. That's the good stuff. Uh, it's the end of the month, and I feel like the thing that happens in the summer is like you just need to, you just need to take a day. You just hey, I have a qu- here's a question. Here's a question. Sure. If you're constructing the three day weekend, yeah, ah, is it better to uh-huh. take Friday off or Monday off? That that has changed for me in the last oh, year. Okay. So if you'd gone back to when I was a giant bomb. Yeah. I would rather take the Friday off. Right. Partially because we took Mondays as our work from home day at Giant Bomb. Yeah, things kind of wound down on Fridays at that place. At least that's how how it was when I was there. Right, so it never felt bad that I wasn't there on a Friday. I mean, like, we did Mm -hmm. streams and stuff, so it would suck to some degree. Right, But, like, eh, you know, it's not a busy day. Also, as someone who's writing news, chances are there weren't going to be big news drops in gaming on a Friday. Like, that that stuff wasn't going to – so I knew I wasn't, like, letting anybody down. Whereas I I kind of – Monday was like, I want to be there. I want to be in our weekly meeting on Monday. I want to be able to, like, get the day – or get the week organized around that. And so, like, at the time, it was, like, not a big deal to take off Mondays because, like, whatever – um, here, I feel like, I mean, I don't know. I, here, I feel like I could never take off. <laughs> well, we, Wait, we've had, uh, the, period. We've had, we've, had to, we've had to intervene to get you to take days off. Of the right. <laughs> and I think here I could only, uh, the three day weekend couldn't, I could never take the Monday. I could never take the Monday because there's too much on it. Like there's, I, I would feel like I'd come in on Tuesday and feel like I'd missed, I already waste, I have too much on my plate now. Whereas right. when I leave on Friday, you at least get the feeling like, eh. I'll catch up with it on Monday. It'll be fine. You know what I okay, mean? Okay, let's 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 uh, uh, alternate reality, Austin. We're yeah. like you're not worrying about your 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 work. Your work is not determining on Monday or Friday. I'm just saying like the rhythm yeah. of of a three day weekend because I I used to be a Friday person, what but I think I've turned in to a Monday person where like the feeling of like like Sundays are both like wonderful and terrible. Yeah, totally. because you wake up totally. And you're like. I got a full day to myself, but not really, not really. Like you start hitting the evening, and it's like, oh, you should. It's Sunday, you should probably go to bed early. Yep. Like, probably shouldn't. Uh, probably shouldn't have a drink. Like, I got to get up. But then, if you're off, you wake up the next morning, and like everybody else is working, and you slept in. Yeah, which is like a great feeling. But now the thing is, where I'm at in my life, that makes me feel bad. I'm like, oh no, Patrick <laughs> and Danielle and Rob and Danica, they're all hustling, they're all working. Uh oh, I can't, I can't just not be doing this. Um, so this eh. is our al- stop ruining our alternate reality. All right, there the are no pressures here. The, the alternate reality is that you can just enjoy. But everybody else the- in the world is still working. It's just I don't have to worry about this place. <laughs> yeah, I think. 
yeah, I can see that that argument. But the alternative is Friday means you get to Thursday and you get to two p.m. on Thursday. True, and it's, and that, it's basically over. It's over. <laughs> like, and you hit that point where you're like, I can't believe I have a fucking one more day this. I don't have another day this week. I'm done. Like, I'm checking out. I'm going to go walk to the kitchen and get some fruit snacks. I'm going to get some water. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to, like, make sure my email is in order. And, you know, I might leave at 4.30. Shit. shit. I might might leave early. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. I might might go – I might leave at 6.30 instead right. of 9. I'm going to call my friend who works retail and is off on Fridays and be like, hey, do you want to go to a movie and a bar tonight? Because that's – you know what I mean? Like you, wow. you suddenly slip into this other world where pe- other people aren't in this rigid five-day week. It's great. <laughs> anyway, I think they're both good. I think what I love is a three-day weekend. That's what I yeah. love generally. Uh, the worst is definitely a midweek day off. Not the oh, worst. This July 4th was, was stressful until I found out yeah. that – that, that, so uh, we were very fortunate to work for a company that gave – so this year, people aren't familiar or for not from the United States. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we get uh, – traditionally, pretty much everyone gets July 4th off. But it moved – the day of the – you know, the week it's on moved. And we were in a great period a couple of years ago. You're in July 4th on a Thursday, a Friday. Yeah, it kind of sucks yeah. on a Saturday or Sunday because you don't get that you day get off. Day. But now we're in a long, shitty stretch where it was uh, – it was on, what, Wednesday this year. And so – or no, wait. No, no it, was it was on Tuesday. Tuesday. It was on Tuesday. So Tuesday. We got Monday, Tuesday. And so a lot of people get that get that Monday off, but not everyone gets that Monday yep. off. We got that Monday off. Because yep. imagine in the world where you didn't get that Monday off. That's bad. That's bad. Well, I, so I had to do – so sidebar, I did a, a an interview with NPR. Uh, they have a thing called The Big Listen, which is a, okay. a podcast about podcast culture. All right. And I did one uh, to talk about Friends at the Table. We had just launched the Patreon and, and somebody wanted to talk to us. And so I talked to this reporter from NPR on July 3rd. And I was like, oh, it's so great that you made time today on the day off to, to meet. <laughs> and she was like, uh, excuse me? And I was like, oh, you guys – you didn't get, NPR didn't give you all – the day off? <laughs> She's like, no, I've been in the office since 9 a.m., actually, sir. Uh, uh, we have off tomorrow, but I'm still going to come in because I'm a reporter and I have to do work. And I was like, all right, I feel really bad for you. Like, you're very nice. Good, good luck. When, uh, when I was at Giant Bomb, I remember asking an HR person about, like, how companies decide whether mm. to give people that day off, like that Monday in which it's not required or it's not an official holiday, like, on the corporate schedule. And... The way they put it was like – so there are going to be people like in especially uh, – like advice would qualify. Right. It's not as – the building wasn't as big as CVS. But like you know when you got hundreds or thousands of employees, right? right? And a day like that, the vast majority of people, even if the company doesn't give them that day off, are going to take that day. They'll just take the vacation day and turn that into a four-day weekend, right? right. But you're going to get people that don't. Or you're going to get people that are saving those vacation days to use them later in the year. Understandable position. Or you're going to get the people that are like, you know what? When no one comes in, I don't got to do shit at work today. So I'm going to come into work and not use vacation day, but basically just go on YouTube and play a game or something. Mm -hmm. So they really run those numbers. Right. So when you run those numbers, when you have one person in the office, that means you got to have like a cleaning crew, you got to have security. And so they ran the numbers and the amount of people. Like it just didn't mathematically make sense, so they started. It made it saved them money to give a vacation day to people rather than pay for all the sort of mundane shit that goes into maintaining an office. Oh my god, it all comes Corporate. down. To, it all comes down to money. Like money. I'm not surprised, but it all comes down to money. Whether or not you get that day. Anyway, listen, we're almost out of July. It's going to be August soon. We are. I th- I want to say we're just about out of. I'm going to say it. 
we're out of whatever slump exists anymore in the yeah, middle pi- of the year. I think year. Pyre was like sort of like the – or Splatoon maybe. Splatoon, Splatoon 2. Splatoon 2? Pyre. It was like one game a week. Yeah. Like, I'd say Splatoon 2 is maybe where we draw the line this year and say this is when – which really – so, OK. So for people who maybe just started playing games or who don't know what we're talking about, for years, people thought of the first, you know t- – two-thirds of the year, the first three-fourths of the year is being kind of dead, right? You come out of the holidays, you go into a slow winter, there's not that many games that come out, maybe a couple things come out in the spring, and then the summer is kind of dead, and you kind of play, like, long RPGs, you, it's, you're not, like, chasing stuff. You know, there's still games are coming out, but no big blockbusters come out. And then I'd say, like, five years ago, maybe it was... In my mind, it was like, um, when did Red Dead come out? Was Red Dead a spring game? Red Dead was, I think Red Dead came out in May. Like, there was like a transition that yeah, happened that was both in, May. In, um, in film and video games. Totally. Which is like embracing the year-round, like, blockbuster. Like, you know, you've got movies like Deadpool and stuff that, like, come out in March now because, right. like, oh, like, turns out people still want to do things the rest of the year and you don't have to put everything totally. in October and November. Totally. Uh, even uh, GTA 4 looks like it came out in April. And around then, the other thing that was happening was indie games were getting big, right? Like independent game development was getting more affordable. People were trying to make games on their own. And so suddenly there's like a lot of stuff coming out that was good uh, in that space. And then bit by bit, it's gotten to where that little kind of summer slump has gotten smaller and smaller. And now, yeah, I guess like looking at this list, I guess I would say that like from late may until mid-july it was it was the slow time but even then that's like there was still stuff there was but still it, stuff it, it certainly wasn't as dead as it used to be back exactly. in the day um but uh, it, it feels like it like august is 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 really the like we're gonna start getting into oh shit like i need to get that chicken dinner in battlegrounds because i'm just not gonna have the time I'm not gonna have to the time. play this game totally. nearly as much as totally. i as i was before so let's talk about august just like it's not a thing we do that often but like i feel like we're in it now so you have pyre yeah. splatoon 2 obviously um tacoma is out in wednesday three days two days i haven't yeah. played that yet i'm excited to check that out uh, uh, yeah I, I finished it over the weekend i'll okay. have uh, the closest thing we have to review uh, yep <laughs> on wednesday impressions i think is, is internally what we say hands on yeah hands on thoughts a take well you'll have a hot take <laughs> oh yeah well, we don't do reviews we do takes we do takes hashtag takes here at waypoint uh we lawbreakers comes out although actually hellblade uh senua's sacrifice which is by yeah. ninja uh, ninja theory theory ninja theory i always get their name i and wrong. you know what Fuck Devil May Cry fans because their okay. Devil May Cry was super good. I've heard and the that. way that people ra- like hardcore fans railed against that game and like stopped a sequel from happening yeah. bums me out to this day because I now, I didn't like the other Devil May Cry games, but like a lot of that Wait, fan you base didn't, didn't like it. Oh, I did. Oh, okay. I liked okay. I liked the DMC series, but I really enjoyed Ninja Theory's take on it, mm-hmm. and like the community just railed against that game in that a way a that was just. Did not give it a chance. Like I realized he was a sarcastic pretty boy. Like I get it. Yeah. But that was a good game. Like the combat was great, and the story was really fun. And that fucking I fought a Fox News broadcaster in a boss battle. Yep. The fucking like Mm. off-brand Bill O'Reilly is in that game, and you fight him inside of like a living. Like like a red blue platforming thing, yeah, right? wasn't it? What's well, like it's as if you're on a newscast. Like the Chirons mm-hmm. are all around you and stuff. It's really good. God. It's a really cool. That's a really cool fight scene. Uh, Lawbreakers is out this month, which I haven't played. But I hear is really good. Like I think it's been in early access. It's coming out or like open beta. It's been going in and out of like closed yeah. and open beta. It's in an open beta. I think it was over the weekend. I'm gonna. 
Um, as someone that was a huge fan of, uh, like, or like, maybe huge, but, like, enjoyed the Gears of War games, oh, and then sure. but was hugely into Unreal Tournament. Okay. Um, and this is essentially Cliff Blazinski coming back to make um, not another Unreal Tournament, but like making like a very focused sort of arena shooter mm-hmm. in the like larger like post Team Fortress Overwatch uh, sort yeah. of world. Like, I'm, I'm, very I'm curious, curious. To, to dip my toes into it to see sort of like what he's making there because like it is treacherous. This game is not. It's not an Overwatch game. Like it's a different mm-hmm. style of shooter, but like everything exists in the conversation around a game like Overwatch, right? Um, and so I'm curious to. I'm going to put some hours into well, and, it this week, and I'm curious to see. So a thing like Overwatch, one of the things that something like uh, Overwatch or, or other games that have a higher degree of accessibility than hardcore games inside of a genre can do is inject a new set of players into a genre. Make them interested in a sort of gameplay that they would otherwise not look at, right? So, like for me right now, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds has made me itchy for more games like that. Yeah. So where like I just saw um, Escape from Tarkov is going into closed beta. That's the game from the X Stalker, the X Stalker devs. devs. Uh, that's going into closed beta, and I looked at it. I was like, oh man, I kind of want to play this thing because it's it feels like it would scratch similar itches. And right. and I feel like I'm curious if Overwatch has done that for the competitive shooter scene also, where I've seen a lot of people in my feed who've been in and out of these betas for Lawbreakers saying like, oh, actually, Lawbreakers might be a better game, like a better competitive shooter right. than Overwatch is. It offers you know more tactical depth. It, it offers like, you know, maybe the world and the characters aren't as, as bright and charming, but it has its own flair and the level design is really smart and the abilities like interact in really cool ways and stuff like that. So I, I, I'm curious if it finds a fan base uh, and, and frankly, I'm just kind of curious how it is. So I'll, I'll definitely try to at least peek at that. Um, other stuff this month, Agents of Mayhem, which I have such mm. mixed feelings on based on my E3 mm. time with it. I played it for an yeah, hour. I, s- or I saw 70 it. So minutes, you, 80 minutes. So you played it, yeah, like an hour of it this year. I yes. played an hour of it last year, and I came out of it going, Ugh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that the writing mm. and characterization is bad. I think that it's like coming it off was tra- of... It, like Saints Row uh, uh, towed <sighs> a very tight line yep. of like... It, it, and it, and it did that line in a way that like made me laugh more often than it made me cringe. Yeah. And Agents of Mayhem made me cringe more often than it was I cringed me a laugh. lot. I cringed a lot while watching it. The thing it was that trying was, too hard was the, the feeling. I yes, got. it was definitely trying too hard. Well, it was trying too hard, and like it uh, sometimes you can try the right amount and still not be funny. <laughs> yeah, you know sure. what I mean? Like. Um, you can give someone the elements of a joke and totally, still not tell it Totally, and they can still well. not tell it great. And I think there was a lot of that going on from what I saw. Uh, you know, I played a, a pretty substantial amount, like I said, at, at E3. Like, I mean, it's probably like a 30-hour game or something. I played an hour, so what the fuck do I know? Right. But there's enough there in that time that I spent where I was like, oh, I actually really like the mechanics of this. I really like leveling up characters. Uh, they, they kind of just gave me the controller and were like, all right, here is – you are 15 hours into this game. This is what the mid-game looks like, feels like. Here's how the characters interact. You build teams. This is like, there's stuff that I didn't know about this game. So you build teams of three people when you go out into the world, and they're, they're, you know, their abilities interact in really interesting ways, or like maybe you have somebody who causes fear on people to cause them to run away or to group up or whatever, and you have another character who can set, like, traps, and you know, the bonuses are all really interesting. There's lots of, like, 
uh, ability synergies happening. And so my, mm-hmm. that part of my brain, who was like interested in interesting character builds, was like like off on fire because of this. And like I think that the combat felt really good. It felt like – it reminded me of what I liked about the Mass Effect Andromeda combat and that it was very uh, agility-focused, very like m- movement-focused. It wasn't like a cover shooter. Uh, right. it, felt like a, it felt like a step up from the combat in the Saints Row series, which has always been kind of mediocre at best. Well, yeah, that's the question is like if, uh, if, if the humor carried the mechanics right. in Saints Row, yes. can the mechanics carry – the humor and Mange of Mayhem. And I think the reason this game has had some trouble sort of establishing some traction is that the the draw of yep. what Volition had created for yep. the last, like, five, six years was, look, we're going to overlook the mechanics because we're really here for the eccentric humor, like yep. the voice they found in, like, Saints 3 uh, and beyond. And I, I just worry that even if this game plays pretty well, it's going to have a hard time finding an audience. Me too. Because the audience that would have wanted to show up for a Volition game doesn't necessarily want to show up for this game. And maybe it finds a new audience, but I've just... Sure. This game has been... Had trouble sort of like... Fig- like, it's had trouble figuring out like how to position itself, pitch itself, and maybe when it's actually here and it's not... Maybe the marketing has just failed the game, right? right. Like maybe they, right. they just haven't... They're trying to pitch it as a Saints Row game when it's not. Right. And maybe you should have pitched it as something else. Yeah, the, so, the, thing yeah. Someone, the thing someone said to me was like, the way to play this game is going to be... There's like... What are fifteen characters, eighteen characters, or something that you can that you get in your score in your total team? It's like pick the three or four or five who you think are not like abrasive and just play as those characters. And that's my plan for that game. So I'm, I'm curious. Right. We'll we'll see how it goes. I, apparently, City Skylines is coming to PS4. We don't need to just linger on that, but that's just that's an interesting thing. Yeah. That's cool. Matterfall, which we played at E3, yeah, it looks interesting. New looks game interesting. from uh, the uh, House Mark. House Mark. House Mark. Um. um it's not the game you want. It's not the house. No, it's yeah. I, I basically spent like the better part of my demo for a house mark just asking them to make a sequel to to another game that they're never going to make a sequel to, and they said, "We'll pass on your thoughts." Yeah, I was like, "Well, it's nice to be listened to, even if I know you're <laughs> ignoring me." Yep, Nidhogg two, also cool. I'm excited for people to actually play that because I played that for a while uh, against some people at an event before E3 and had a lot of fun with it. It's really good in motion. It feels good even though I don't – my first blush art design was not great, but, but I've come around on it. Right. Uh, Sonic Mania, which eh, – I'll play it I'll, for yeah, 15 minutes. The bosses are cool is what I'll say. There's a boss I'm not allowed to talk about that I think is so good. <laughs> You're still not allowed to talk about no, it? No. Like, they were like, this is the one thing about this demo you can never talk about like until the game is out. But it's so good. Actually, that game may have gotten delayed again. Did Sonic Mania get delayed again? Is that in September now? Is this list bad? Yes. Yep. Sonic Mania, I think, maybe got delayed until September. So this list is bad. Great. Good. No Sonic Mania for you. Uh, <laughs> some games just never come out. Uh, are you excited for the new Uncharted Lost Legacy? Is that a thing you're... you're... It's funny because last week we were talking about video games. There was a question from the question bucket that was like, what games do you play that had gameplay that you aren't a super fan of but you play for the story? Uh Uh-huh. Like, Uncharted might might have secretly been the actual Mm -hmm. answer to that. Totally. Like, I love the storytelling in those games for the most part, and I find the characters, like, really interesting and endearing, and the idea of playing, like, this one where it's, like, set in... It's, like, the Middle East, right? Like, somewhere, I think... Either way, it's like two female leads, uh, I like think two, it's two women, India. like I'm pretty sure two women leads. Like sounds really interesting. Like yep. the banter I've seen in the trailers looks like I would watch that movie for you know six <laughs> right. hours. Right. Uh, I'm curious if the gameplay will be any more. I don't know. Like I've just never really connected with the game, the gunplay in the Uncharted series, right. and I 
So I'll st- I'll play that because I've played the other ones before. It's too late now. Uh, but uh, Danielle seemed really interested in it from uh, what she played. She wrote some impressions on the site. I think at the early she part seems of positive. Last week. Yeah, um, there's like a cool open like a micro open world setup for at least what maybe. she saw. Well, sure. from what she saw, where like you're just in a jeep out in a in a kind of a big open environment that you can explore. Yeah, there's a section of that in Uncharted like that. Four that was was really right. interesting. Right. Um, so, so I'm some curious of them maybe to see. doubling down in some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got Madden, of course, obviously. Oh, of course. Of course. I might, I'm going to play this Madden. I've made, I've just decided based on what I saw in E3, based on their story mode stuff, I want to play uh, that story oh, mode. Oh, right. Like, right. Right. So like suddenly I'm in, like I'm in for this year of Madden. I want to see the story of this character. I want to see how that's delivered. Um, I'm always interested in, in when companies want to deliver like TV style narratives. Uh, and like, yeah, give it a shot, you know, like. The thing is, I almost always want to play about a story mode's worth of Madden every year, and most of and that doesn't isn't a thing that hasn't been a thing in Madden. I haven't ever had like, oh, here's my eight hour Madden experience. Like, <laughs> I'll get it and play a season worth or something, you know. But like, right. that's not the same. It doesn't scratch the same itch. And so, if I can play through like an interesting story with cutscenes and stuff, yeah, I'll give it a shot. The small aside, uh, uh, understandably, you would go past it. Uh, so this game, a White Day, a Labyrinth named School. Yeah, um, that's is a, a name. Full, a, yeah, it's a Full-fledged remake for one of the most famous indie horror games oh, that came out of Korea okay. um, a number of years ago. Um, 2001, and, uh, originally. Yeah, it, it came out on, on mobile stuff, I think, a couple of years back. Um, but I think it was, like, fan-translated. I never got around to it, but people were always telling me over the years, like, hey, you need to check out White Day. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like it's a really interesting historical footnote and also very effective. Um, so I'm not sure how the remake is going to be, but I am super curious to check it out because of... How much I've heard about it's a good it name. Uh, in the past. <laughs> yeah, Labyrinth Name School. Yeah. It's very catchy. It just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, and like, I, it, yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious how it, uh, like, I'm curious what that original was. I, now I want to read about this. Yeah, not now, not in the middle of this podcast. Tell but, that story. Yeah, later I'll read, I'll read about it. Absolver, also a small game coming out that I think has been at every E3 in PAX for the last, uh, couple of years. I feel like that's going to be a game that I look at and go, I really want to play that. And then you're going to ask me in December, did you play it? Oh, I still meant to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. I, we played a little bit of it at E3. We, we yeah. fought. We dueled. Your instructor did not instruct you well enough no, to know No, didn't some give key... me the right fucking details. That's going to be me... my explanation for you beating me. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, I think it's actually a fair explanation. Also, I was very good. <laughs> yeah, I. that's like – mm, you ever have a, was an experience where you hear about a game for so long mm-hmm. and people are so hyped on it that mm-hmm. you build it up? And then it's not just like, oh, they were wrong. It's not like backlash. I'm not like, oh, yeah, they were idiots for thinking this game was good. It's just like, oh, mm, in my mind, it maybe controlled a little different or it wasn't as fiddly or it wasn't like I didn't have to contend with the fact that it was a real game. I just had to think about it in my (laughs) head Um, and it might have been safer up there. Oh, yeah, Absolver is cool. And like, oh, yeah, it's cool. But mm, I'm not I'm not like I thought it'd come out of the demo waving the flag for it, you know, and instead right. I'm like, yeah, it seems all right. I'm curious if I have some time that week, I'll check it out, you know. <laughs> uh, I just want to read this one, which is Everybody's Golf, which is, I believe, a... That's uh, the Sony franchise. It's a Hot Shots Golf. golf. Yeah, it's a Hot yeah. Shots Golf. Those game. are good games. Those are good games, and I like golf games in general, and I'll play some Everybody's Golf. I like the name. Uh, Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Hell Battle is yeah. this I am month. Or is next... I am hyped for that game. Yeah, I'm I'm also hyped for that game. It is not a thing that I anticipated being excited for. No. Though now that I think about it, um, XCOM 2 Chosen War is like, is it the same week? 
or is that this month? That's next month also. It's not on this day. It's August 29th. I think they're coming out within a day of each other. What? I hadn't noticed that before. That's very good. That's extremely good. Yeah, it's the same day. They're coming out the same day. <laughs> the new XCOM the new XCOM game is coming out the same day as Mario XCOM. Mario plus Rabbids colon XCOM. Oh, that'll be that's going to be a lot. Yeah, of that, e, that, that E3 day. demo was uh, surprisingly great, and I've been <sighs> anxious to see more because I felt like they were only showing like a fraction of yeah. what that game actually yes. is. And they've actually been very not cagey as much as just like they showed at E3, mm-hmm. and like that was all I needed to be sold on. Mm-hmm. And now I just want to see, I want to see, I, I want to see how complex that game gets. Like I want to see how yeah, me too. weird that game gets. So uh, um, that is going to be a week of takes, Patrick. Oh People. yes, uh, that's going to be one of those those key t- take weeks where everybody is just going all over the place. Actually, well, especially because uh, two days uh, after the 29th, uh-huh. where not only does Rabbids and XCOM and Windjammers uh, drop. Well, uh, we, oh wait, we, the 29th. For, before we move on, the 29th uh-huh. is Absolver. Yep. Arc is finally actually coming out. I think. Yeah, in retail. In as retail, well, yeah. everybody's golf. Hello neighbor, I don't know what hello neighbor. Oh yeah, I do. That's the that's... you steal you steal from people, you rob people. They had it at the Xbox event. Uh, it's, it's yeah, it's where like there's this guy chasing you. Oh, okay. Uh, in a house, it's okay. been early access for a while. I imagine. I don't know why I saw people breaking into houses at the demo. I was like, oh, yeah. I guess you're a thief. Yeah, there's houses. I you break into them. poorly. Ra- okay. Uh, Mario Bros. Rabbids Kingdom Battle, Pillars of Eternity Complete comes out on consoles. The XCOM thing I mentioned, Red Out. I don't know what that is. Uh, nope. Warriors All Stars is a is a Warriors game. Is a like Dynasty Warriors game, but it's a, it's a crossover game for all of Koei Tecmo. So like the dude from Neo is in it. Uh, the characters from the uh, the Atelier uh, RPGs are in it. Dead or Alive characters are in it. Characters from Deception are in it. Samurai sure. Wars. There's a cat. It's it's Oda no, Nobunaga Oda. But but what if what if they were a cat instead of a not a cat? <laughs> Uh, so like, I'm excited. I'm excited for that. And then Yakuza Kiwami, which is Yakuza One remake, is also that's all on the 29th, and also Windjammers. That's a that day is stacked. Uh, and then two days later, Life is Strange Before the Storm episode one. That week is just gonna be bonkers. Takes Take City. Take City. Welcome to Take City. We got takes. What do you want to hear about? You want to hear about golf? I got golf takes. Golf should be arcadey and cartoony the way it is in everybody's golf. Golf take. You want sports takes windjammers, action plus uh, frisbees, action frisbee sports, AFS. That's the future of sports. A future sport, action frisbee sports, AFS, windjammers, sports takes. I got sports takes. You want tactics takes? I only played one of them. But what happens if Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle is better than an XCOM game? Tactics takes. TT. Hashtag TT. I got takes. Too many takes. TMT. Dynamite. That's that with the, an N normally, but is that is that the television channel we're starting? Too yeah, many takes. Too many takes. Television. God, that's gonna be a lot of takes that week. So that's uh, that's August. That's August. That's August. Oh, and then we have to just dip into September, Patrick. Just come on. <laughs> five could, days. If later. we can get out of that, if we can get out of the, the pool of takes, if we can swim out, if we can, we're submerged. What are you talking the takes. about the, the biggest takes are happening on September fifth. <laughs> I well, you're right. We're gonna d- jump out of the frying pan of takes and into the fire of takes. Because knack too, baby. Back to knack. Knack to knack. Back to back, knack to knack. Knack two comes out September 5th. Get ready. I'm going to finally become the knack daddy that I've always wanted to be. Oh, that's, that's No, not like a knack daddy, but like, you know, the knack daddy. Knack daddy. Like a, you make know, you 
jump, jump. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's not good. like a knack daddy. I mean, I'm sure there are. Da- I don't know how daddies work in the knackiverse. Okay. Like, I don't. Do you know how daddies work in the Rverse? Well, give me any I'm... more. Let's pivot. Do you have any more daddy experience? We're talk uh, about August. I don't. I'm I'm too raw right now. I don't know if I can Whoa. talk about what happened in what Dream happened? Daddy this morning. Wait, wait, wait. So, you got to give me a little something. So in Dream Daddy, you go. Uh, if people aren't aware, it's a yeah. dad dating simulator, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you you all exist on Dadbook, which is a social network for dads. Dads, dads only. I don't know if it's made by dads. It's, I hope. I don't know. I don't. They don't get too much into the the, the creation of the the dad book in, in Dream Daddy. But it's a visual novel, and you can go on. Uh, you can choose to and uh, dad book to like go on different, not necessarily dates, but like experiences, like excursions. Like you might go with your sure. kid to a to a baseball game. Okay, so it's not necessarily a date, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. So, some sort of social interaction yes. that involves one of one, two, three, seven or eight of the of the the. Uh, just coincidentally extremely attractive, mm-hmm. also live in the same cul-de-sac as you, dads, in Maple Bay, which is still one of the better video game cities uh, names I've ever heard of. Um, and I had I had finally, I'd gone on a bunch of dates, I hadn't explored all my options, but I was like, I need to pick a, I need to pick a dad. Mm-hmm. I need to see, I need to see where this is going. If you go decide to go on the third social excursion, the game gives you a heads up, like, hey, you're choosing your dream daddy. Like, are you ready for that? Um, and what what might happen? I said yes, I am. And so I picked Matt. Matt, who is OP. He is the first what, daddy wait, that you wait, meet what do you in mean the he's game. OP? What's OP? What in this scenario? He's too much. He's he's too. He's got too much going for him. He's too charming. He's too handsome. Okay. He's 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 eccentric. He's like really. He runs a coffee shop. Oh, he's, he's a cool in, dad. Look at this dad. I had. And he's and he's into uh uh like. Indie music, and he, mm-hmm. he and he na- and he does a bunch of dad jokes for the names of his coffees, and you can help craft some of those dad jokes with him. And like the dad, you pl- the canonical dad in the game, which you get some leeway over his personality, but like the sure. baseline of the character you play in Dream Daddy is like a goofy, means well, mm-hmm. like d- dad ass dad. Um, and that, there's only like a limited spectrum you have to play with in terms of like that actual personality. You can pick what they look like, but like the personality is pretty well. Uh, defined and Matt lines up a lot with that, and also lines up a lot with like I thought he was funny and charming. Right, like, I like coffee. Yeah, and me too. I, I want to hang out this coffee shop, and Matt's got some hangups. Plus, like, there's um, that whole you know, situation where you're like, you're, you've mentioned this before. Your daughter is like, "Hey, dad, it's time for you to go out in the world and do stuff." Yeah, what could you do better than like hooking up with a, a coffee dad and then yeah. helping him run his coffee shop? That sounds really good. Yeah, and like some of the I don't want to get too much into like the actual like story arcs sure. of the characters, but like. Uh, uh, Matt has, uh, he's, uh, uh, a single dad because he, uh, lost someone close to him. Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of the arc that you have with him, or at least my version of it, I don't know all the different mm, paths you can go down, uh, involves, like, kind of, like, helping him get out of his shell and, like, getting oh, over okay. some of that. And, like, the conclusion of my arc was me being, like, really involved in this, this, this thing bad. happening. And then once it happens, like, Matt... So he's he kisses me and he says we should go back to my place. Like cut to black and I'm yeah. like, cool. You did like, it. I did it. Like I don't know what I did, but I did it. I think like the game. In the words of Gita Jackson, she was slightly disappointed in this game because there ain't no dick. Is I think how she put it. <laughs> All right. It doesn't. There's a Twitter in. exchange. Yeah. Uh-huh. This is public. This okay. is public. Yeah. People go to these games for different things. There's no dick right. in this one. Well, I I would say like slight aside uh, that this is like a t- slightly different type. Like it is. 
This game is not as horny as I think some people thought it could have been. Sure. Like, it is... Those games actually, exist. We, right. right. Um, and, like, yo, like, there is sex and, like, sexual tension. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, as I wrote about, and then, was it Janine Hawkins who wrote about it first last week? Who else wrote on, no, uh, on, uh, on about it? No, Kate Gray wrote about it. The Kate Gray wrote about it. And yes, she, yes, she, yes. she, did, she did, uh, wrote a piece that was explicitly about, like, the wholesomeness yes. of Dream Daddy, which is very true. Like, there is, like, sex and relationships and sexual right. situations. But, like, it is a pretty wholesome... Uh, let's hug it out sort of game with some of that uh, uh, saucier stuff on the side. Right. So then the game cuts to an epilogue, um, and I won't get into the epilogue, but basically, like, I like Matt call, had me meet me, meet him over by the tree, and was it a special was like, tree? hey. What's up with this tree? No, it's just like a, just like a tree, like okay. in our backyard, and it's kind of okay. like a party vibe going on, and like that's when he told me, like, hey, I just, uh, you know, you mean a lot to me, I just want to be friends. And, uh, no! And like, I, actually, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a little bummed because, like, I didn't have any agency in the matter. Like, it was just sort of like... But you couldn't be like, but... Yeah, like, give me a chance. Does that like, kiss me anything? Right. I I don't know how much time has passed. Like, I don't... Patrick. So, yeah, I ended up with Matt as my friend. Woo. I got friends, Matt. I don't need any more fucking well, friends. hey, 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 hey. Friends are good. Friends are I've good. I've got them, though. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with having a friend that you kiss sometimes. Or like that you didn't. I don't know kiss. if that. Well, well, that, that's he didn't. He didn't make it clear whether if that's the kind of weird. Like, not only do I not need more, need any right. more fucking friends, but I right. guess I could use a friend, a fucking friend. You could you use know? a fucking friend. Huh? I got a fucking you, fucking friend. I got you. But I guess the question is like, is this a situation where? Okay, so in a situation like this, that might break my heart because if he, I, if, I don't know, I don't know if even if I was given that option, right, right. I might have to say no because you don't want to be a warm body. My heart was right. not in a fucking friend, right? You were looking. You were looking for love. You were out yeah. here looking for your dream daddy. Yeah. You thought yeah. you found him, and yeah. instead you went to Heartbreak City. Like I did. Oh. And we're all in the same cul-de-sac together. Oh, it's that's a problem. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I didn't know that from the jump. I didn't know y'all lived near each other. That's everyone's in the same cul-de-sac. What? Don't fuck yeah. any of those people. That's how <laughs> well. I've been to college. Like, you can't... You college can't, is just a cul-de-sac. Co- yeah, college is just 17 cul-de-sacs stacked on top of each other. That's the that's the residence hall you live in. Don't... You gotta go at least to a different residence. You have to at least go to the next cul-de-sac over. Yeah. Don't date... All right, if you're in college right now, let me tell you. Don't date anybody who lives on your floor. Do not. Definitely not. Do not. You know you, you think you, can make you want out it. Once. You the can make convenience, out once. The convenience of it seems real good. Yep. Like, oh, like, everyone's going to sleep. Like, I could just, like, head over there. I could just, like, just go curl outside. into bed together. No. College take. Don't do it. Hookup take. Don't <laughs> Wait, do it. Don't, don't go to college? Don't go to college. No. Don't. It, mm. I didn't know that you were all in the same cold. Because now everybody yeah. knows. Everybody's going to see you out by the tree. Yeah. Now I understand what you meant. You're like, oh, the tree. Like, yeah, everybody in the cul-de-sac knows the tree. Well, and then the game just presumes, like, oh, this won't be awkward, like, uh, going forward. Like, okay. game, I think you're taking a too optimistic, idealistic <laughs> interpretation of how this shit's going to go down. Yeah. I don't know. Like, maybe you took a lot from the experience. Maybe you're... Maybe. You're not this daddy yet. You know, you're the daddy you played as has uh, an 18-year-old daughter, not a 1-year-old daughter. So one. So maybe 18 years from now or or 17, however many years it is, you'll be in a place where maybe having a, you know, a brief hookup with with your dream daddy can be something you learn from, something sure. that you you cherish, but then you also understand it isn't just about your agency. He has agency too. He doesn't I get it. he's not in that place right now. Sure. And and he extends the offer of friendship, and maybe you don't even. Maybe it's one of those friendships where it's like you see him once in a while, 
and you both know it's just yeah, like we're mm, in the same awkward. cul-de-sac no, like this is not you should sell that house and move uh no, no it's not a cul-de-sac it's a fuck-a-sac this is mm. dad's just do, doing things you don't know that you don't know what the other dads are i mean you would know oh, it's it austin you haven't met these dads so okay I have a dad- was this a was this a bad end or was this like did you- i don't i don't know if it's a bad i don't know if this game has like bad bad and like we ended in a good place like right they like they, I think the the I was actually disappointed in the ending because of the leap it makes without like quite getting me there. Right. Like Oof. it didn't feel satisfying. Like if if I guess if I had seen more of the in between, I could have bought like why it didn't why it work didn't work out. Right. As opposed to it felt like cut to black. Like we went to go hook shack up. up. Right. Yeah. And then it's like dot dot dot. However, we're time later. Like oh, actually, it doesn't work out. We're just friends. Like oh, right. like, like is that because you didn't buy... have enough affection points yes. with Matt? And if so, that wasn't made clear. Right. So I, I can buy the ending. I just didn't actually, from like a design perspective, I found it disappointing because like I got to see so much of the arc up until right. the turn. Right. And then whatever stuff happens behind the scenes that determines the ending, I just didn't buy. I bought the turn like on paper, but I just not. Didn't, I just didn't get like the I didn't get to see enough of the fill in the blanks to see like how we got to that point. It's totally. kind of just like oh like shit like all right so because I failed some mini game like <laughs> it didn't work out or right. maybe that not like or that, that would be the worst. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Cause that's like, so, I mean, that's just like in real life too, though, to some degree, right? Which is like, yeah. when you get a rejection and it's like, did I, did I fuck up at some point? Like, did I, right. is this cause I ordered the wrong drink that time? Is this because like, I was kind of a jerk that time that her friend was over and I really don't like her friend, but like, I could have just like carried that back more? Is this the time that like, you know, he and I went out to that to that club and I was shit talking a band and then I realized later, uh oh, he really likes that band. He was in that band once or whatever. Like I don't that's how the world works sometimes. You don't know why things fall apart. Sometimes they fall apart because he wants to pay more attention to his coffee shop than you right now. I mean that's just it. Well and then it made me angrier because uh I posted this on Facebook and uh, also just Bikita Jackson. Just she. Uh huh. What happened? Okay. Mentioned, I mentioned in one of her Facebook threads on Facebook that like, oh, I went for Matt and he, I was a just a friend. She says that's not the ending I just got. Yo, yo, bullshit, bullshit. Yo, pouring salt on the wound. Well, now we know why he didn't shack up with you. <laughs> the game checked was- your friends list and it was like, oh, Gita already got him. <laughs> That would be a that would be a funny way for those games to interact if you could somehow like loop it into your like the other decisions it makes about your friends is like it can fuck you over because ah, I already chose your friend Gita. Uh huh. God, that would be brutal. And then you uh, just and then like it downloads her dad and it's like <laughs> her dad just slides on screen. How good? Oh, that would be good. That would be incredible. We should delete this part from the podcast. We got to make this make game. a visual novel. Yes. Yes. Dreamy or daddy. <laughs> Let's go. 
<laughs> oh my god. Well, speaking of bad ends, I just briefly want to mention that there was this Broadly article on Dream Daddy where they talked to some of the creators about the rumored cult ending that we talked about last Yeah, week. there's been a controversy that's happened largely on Tumblr yeah. um, in which the game was data mined for, which is common these days for developers these days need to like account for data mining because mm-hmm. that shit's going to get out. Um, and they found reference to uh, sort of a bad end that I, I'm not going to spoil. It's related to Joseph for people that are yep. Joseph and his kids uh, related. Like uh, if you're familiar with the game and the characters um, and there uh, is a sort of uh, shitty interpretation of what that ending could mean and say about uh, it's queer characters right. in a game that is very queer friendly and like written in a way that is very not just like inclusive, but is like, of mind of like queer relationships yeah. and just it's it's a very queer friendly game and like that ending can be interpreted in kind of a shitty way right and so there's like a, a controversy or a debate over like how are you to interpret content that was cut from the game yeah. for who knows what reason maybe it wasn't finished maybe they realize actually like this is bad and mm-hmm. like we shouldn't include it in the game um and then how are you supposed to feel about the discovery content. of complicated content, yeah. um, even though it's not in the game. My take on that is like, yo, if you read all the stuff I did in rough drafts, like that people like look through and like, tell you, hey, this is like a better way to phrase this. Like, they're better. Like, you should be aware of this. Mm-hmm. Like, we all make mistakes all the time, and like, should, probably shouldn't be judged for the thing that we don't put out, <laughs> hit into publish the world. on. Yeah. yeah, it's it's. I think that part's complicated, but I also think that there are all these other axes on which this moment is landing and is like being is opening up the the space for like lowercase d discourse. I don't mean like yeah. dismissive. I don't mean that dismissively here. I actually mean like there is a, there's a lot at the table here uh in terms of queer representation. Um and so the the argument that that a lot of people have made um the one that I'm not I'm not super convinced by it is that like having a problematic character in the sense of like not not capital P problematic either lowercase p problematic. Right. Having like an evil gay dude in this game filled with gay or bi dudes is totally okay for me. Like part of the part of the thing that I always say when when char- when people come to me and say, "Hey, I want there to be black characters in games," I'm afraid. What if my black character isn't good? My answer is like, have more than one black character. <laughs> like the more <laughs> the more representation that you have, like the better chances you are of actually having a, a kind of a broad scope of representation and having the one character who's evil not just fit into some weird stereotype. Right? It's, it's not a um, burden because right. it's singular. It's so like it fits into a spectrum of characters because there's a. Pl- plurality of characters exactly if you want a character to go off the reservation or even like mildly riff on a stereotype it's 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 okay in the sense that it's not the sole right. representation. Exactly. Like there's already a larger a, spectrum. There's already a counter-argument against that being a represent a core representation of what that what that uh, kind of identity is. Uh, that's it. I still also understand where that comes from to some degree. Yeah. Like I think that comes from a place of seeing shitty representation over and over and over right. again, and it being a sore spot, an understandable sore spot. Trauma is shitty. Um, so that's one one place where that's coming in. That's one angle of the debate. Uh, there's also this other thing that's happening um, around this game that I think is really fascinating that happens you – know, does not only happen in, in queer culture. It also happens, again, across uh, other other kind of marginalized identities as those identities, as the su- – OK. So part of being in the margins means finding a way to create culture for yourself. Um, 
That means, you know, everything from uh, musical scenes like, uh, uh, you know, doing weird art, experimental art, finding uh, new ways of self-expression, dating culture is different. Like all sorts of stuff happens when you're in the margins to reflect the fact that you are stuck in the margins, right? You're not part of mainstream culture because that part has been at best gated to you and sometimes you can slip through the gate or at worst completely walled off for you. And so you end up developing your own culture because you're a person and people develop culture. It's what we do. Uh, And so one of the conversations that's happening around this game is whether or not it is this not appropriative, right? Like not because I know that some of the creators are queer, Um, Mm -hmm. but is this kind of whitewashing is probably too strong of a term, but is this sort of kind of present professionalization or like it's it's cleaning up queer culture and making it presentable to a wide straight cis audience uh in the sense that it is it's almost aspirational it's almost about so it's not appropriative but it's about um what's the word i'm looking for when when one thing takes in something else and uh consume not just consumes it but there's a specific word i'm looking for that's going to kill me if i can't come up with it <laughs> Uh, it's it's well, like keep the, going and then it'll okay, come it'll, to it'll you come like to me. thirty seconds. Um, from now. So yeah, it's it's a situation where the the mainstream culture it's it's kind of like incorporating queer culture into the already standard mainstream assimilation. Thank you, chat. Uh, it's assimilating queer culture instead of just exploring the queer culture that really exists in the world. Like I've I've just seen a lot of people saying I don't I haven't played this game right. So but I'm right. seeing a lot of people saying I don't see my experience of being a queer person in this game. What I'm seeing is like queer culture dressed up with white picket fences. What I'm seeing is queer co- is gay people who are all upper middle class and who who have the dream uh, right. of of being assimilated. And that might be okay if also there was this counterculture element there. But instead right. it's just this ma- which is also by the way the same argument that that came out around uh, uh 50 shades of gray and kink culture which was like that's a story in which the end game is like there it's a shitty abusive relationship and then they own a house together and like get a white picket <laughs> fence. That is not like that's just like traditional buttoned up like white capitalists like you're just going to the office now. And I think right. that conversation is super fascinating because that reflects a longer tension inside of queer discourse and margin and, and discourse around race and around uh, class and everything else, which is like this moment at which punk becomes a thing you can put in top 40 radio the moment that hip-hop crosses over and goes from being something that represents a shout to being something that can sell you a can of sprite like and that is a a thing that's happened with queer queer culture for a long time anyway uh but this is like the first time that i'm seeing it happening in gaming where that's and and i don't think it's simple like this isn't electronic arts isn't making this game this isn't big business capitalizing but it is a but it is a it is game grumps who are well established it is you know there are elements that it doesn't feel like what traditionally you thought of as the queer games scene, quote unquote, which is a much more complicated thing than all than, than anything else. And I love that those conversations are happening. I I just also think that they're incredibly complex and I wish I had more time to like try to un- <laughs> unwrap it a little bit. <sighs> but it's also cool that a game like this can inspire to- right. like one it like surfaces that discussion to uh, non-queer folks that aren't like deep into the queer mm-hmm. gaming scene and representation and have like 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 I've never heard the argument framed that way before. Like right. it makes a lot of sense yeah, to me. Totally. But there's no reason well, for me to really have known that because like I don't spend you know, a lot of time uh, in, in those queer relationship right. culture. Like I, because I'm know, not. And uh, so like the exposure to that, the discussion of that, like the existence of a game that is like is like for the you know by and large queer friendly and like right. very uh, uh, respectful of queer culture. Like 
surfaces like a lot of the tension and the problems and the discourse that's happening a little underneath the surface mm-hmm. that is in a really interesting way totally that makes like i mean me richer as a lot of people richer yeah. as a result totally yeah. i you know uh, internet fiona says i want to live in a big house with all of my partners and their partners i want to normalize kink and shit i want to normalize my existence and not default to having to get married and get a house uh right. which is like that normal is that is like this other side of this which is like so tough because you know i don't know what I don't know what to say to somebody who is 42 years old and gay and wants to own a house with a picket fence and wants to be part of – you don't want to say right. that, no, that's a bad dream to have, right? Like right. Um, one of my favorite philosophers, Foucault, like ha- went through this change in his exp- in his uh, work and in his life where when you read his – the young Foucault, he's like – all about discipline. He's all about like how is the world disciplining bodies? How is desire something that culture produces in you? Like you didn't you didn't you didn't come out of the womb wanting to do XYZ. Like you didn't come out of the womb with beauty standards. You were taught beauty standards. You didn't come out of the womb hating your body. You were taught to hate your body. You didn't come out of the womb thinking that sex is this dirty thing. You were taught to believe that. Uh, and then by the end of his life, he shifts a little bit and begins to talk about self-care and like and begins to say like, well, we do these things because, you know, to some degree, we we feel better inside of the limits of, of society. And sometimes we do things that are capital P problematic, but it is part of being able to regenerate the energy you need to go out in the fucking world. That's terrible. And that tension is like really fascinating to me. It's always been one of my, the things that I'm most fascinated in because I don't think there's a final answer to it. I just think it's a thing I navigate on a case by case basis. And it's cool to have that conversation in games. Like it's not a thing I expected to have this year. So yeah, like related to that, like in uh, dad culture, like, right. like parenting culture, uh, like <laughs> one, of, one of the big political things that sort of comes up in conversation with other parents um, is like this generational shift that's happened in like the last like you know fifty years of like not all women are stay at home yep. mothers yep. and um, you have to be extremely cautious when you encounter a new set of parents and how you approach that really? discussion because like me and yeah. my wife are like big on like her career is very important to her mm-hmm. and like we spend lots of time with our daughter like we don't think we're sacrificing anything by right. like having her maintain her job but like there are people who have made the decision that they wanted to stay home like sometimes it's financial sometimes it's cheaper for them to do that sometimes it's because they want to be a stay at home parent and boy like you got to be careful at how you express your opinions on that because that shit can go sideways mm-hmm. like super fast yep. because it is like this really weird cultural shift that has happened that people some of that is like cu- culture put upon them and some of them is people's making their own decision on what they do and culture plays a part in that but whoo yeah that's politics that's that's politics <laughs> god all right let's go to the question bucket with our limited time that's remaining if you have questions you can send them in to gaming at vice.com with the subject question or question bucket or questions i'll see them in, in any or way bucket. like that or bucket uh you know what just no make sure question is there i don't have a label <laughs> set i don't have a filter set up for bucket um all right this comes in from josh who there's like we had a bunch of questions in a row that were really good Patrick Austin questions so this worked out one uh, hello I played through all the main endings of Near Automata primarily because Patrick spoke very highly of it and that guy's cool I guess I felt that throughout I could follow along with the themes and ideas presented by the game just fine but whenever something interesting came up and there were tons of neat bits about individual and social purpose gender robot fucking etc I often didn't really care because I was not emotionally invested in most other aspects of the game aesthetically and narratively Near didn't click much 
match for me. And I think that made it a lot harder to engage with the ideas that it presents, though the ideas themselves were of interest. I was more engaged with the spoiler cast that y'all did than the game itself. When thinking critically about games, do you think you're less likely to take on a game's philosophical and ideological insights if the game itself doesn't really grab you? Become as gods, Josh. <laughs> with that note, um, yeah, I, I, I think that there are times – like there are definitely times when I'm like, I'm just going to go to a wiki. Like I'm not – right. I'll pull the eject cord on this because I'm interested in the, the, the ideas here but not – I don't want to play it and I just like let myself not do that at this point in my life. Um, and I definitely think that it hurts. Like, I think the same thing is true for film or, or books also. Like, there's so many books that I've read where I'm like, the ideas here are fascinating. And also, this prose is garbage. <laughs> like, I can't <laughs> read this. Or films where, like, the cinematography is terrible. The acting is rough. But there's, especially in film, especially in film where it's, like, an experimental film or it's an independent film or a young filmmaker who doesn't necessarily have, uh, like, a, a head for, for camera work or for direction yet or young actors who maybe are still, like, coming up. But they have, they, the ideas in the script might still be interesting or the idea in the setting might still be interesting. That happens to me all the time. Um, I, honestly, especially in games. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, actually in in near, I found myself more affected by the high level sort of like themes mm-hmm. than I was in the actual like interpersonal drama right. of the individual, like the actual characters to be and stuff like that. Like in, on, when I would explain what was happening to them, I found it more affecting than the moment to moment like their actual dialogue and emotional response. Mm-hmm. Um, if that makes any sense, like, yep. like when I like to write out the plot of that game, like in explaining it, when I would write about it and talk about it, I found myself responding to that more than like the actual beat to beat of yeah. like how those characters were responding to the moments of those stories. Which I'm not sure if that's a fault of the storytelling or me just not connecting to those characters, but I I can see why that. The person writing in had that response. So you can hear people talking about like what happens and go, "Oh wow, that's that's wild." But in the actual moment to moment, not necessarily connecting it on, on yeah. that level. I mean, I, I'd say that's not true for like some of the like the later later endings, like specifically the credit sequence stuff that happens. Like I just connected to that in the moment as it was happening. But I, I don't think it's totally wild to to have. To, to find your enjoyment out of, like, reading about it or people's responses to it uh-huh. rather than actually being a part of the media itself. Right. I'm with you. I think that, that all that all adds up for me, too. I, and it's it's a tough thing. I, there are – for me, there are strategies for it, which, are like, for me, as someone who writes about games, as long as I'm staying engaged and taking notes, I can push through stuff that sometimes can be boring, like – I often will use bad cutscenes in games or too long of cutscenes in games, mm-hmm. like tab over to a notepad or to a Google Doc and like start writing right. stuff as the stuff is happening. Um, still paying attention, but like that's a, a breather that I can and like that's where I can like keep engaged at the high level thing. Uh, all right, this one comes in from uh, Mike, who says, uh, "Have you ever given thought to setting up a Steam curator list or something similar?" It would be nice to see a list of games that you all uh, like that might have been overlooked. For example, I had zero interest in Long Live the Queen until it was praised in a recent episode uh thanks for doing the show mike so i think we've been talking about ways to curate our yeah doing something something yeah um i I have weird feelings about steam curation in general like one it was broken for a long time uh two i i very much would rather have it be on our platform than on steam like i am not in the business of putting content on steam like i'm not on the business of that doesn't help uh, us it doesn't help us uh, to be crass but also also i 
prefer I you know I'd actually be more likely to make an itchio uh, curators right. list. I, I have a lot of mixed thoughts about Steam and Valve as a company. Um, I think that they're doing a poor job of curating their own store right now. Uh, I think that they, given their important position in the field, need mm-hmm. to be doing more to to help uh, kind of foreground games that are coming out, support young developers, uh, and that's not my job. Uh, it's not my job to go do that curation work for them. They're not paying us to do that. If they want to, like, sponsor a Waypoint curation thing, we can have that conversation. But that's not, like, what the job is that we are in. And I bring this up, actually. I, I like this question because, like, I, re- I just – I've had this conversation so often in the last couple of years of just, like – especially in the last year as they've opened up the platform. Like, how do you deal with an open platform like that? How do you curate it? I right. think it's a hard job. Uh, there was a game that just came out called Immortal Planet um, that really helped – like crystallize this for me it's a an action rpg it's isometric it has very like cell shaded cartoonish look um very dark souls inspired with the stamina system lots of you know action like uh, a very deliberate action you know you get a, a single healing item that you can use like it's very similar in design and it's exactly the sort of game that five years ago three years ago maybe even two years ago i would have noticed pop up in my weekly review of the Steam new right. releases and would have said like, oh man, I'll th- yeah, I'll toss 12 bucks to this and check it out. But today, it's so easy to imagine a game like this. I don't think this game looks great. Like, I don't think it looks fantastic. But I think it looks like, like oh yeah, I'd pay, I'd yeah. pay 12 bucks Play to this for a shot, 45 minutes see if I can do a, like, yeah. a video on it or whatever, right? Uh, and now, it's just, there's so much that drops that I think that it's, it's one of those exact games that could so easily slip through the cracks despite young developers putting a lot of hard work into it. So I do think that there is, that there is need from curation on Valve's part and on our part as a place that people come to for opinions. Uh, it's tough. We don't we don't run reviews right now, right? We don't have a thing that says buy this game. Like it's not the job that we've put ourselves in at this point. Um, but it is something we're thinking about because people do come to us and say, "Hey, I want to know what games I should I should buy." Um, and that's or just like what are like we put up so much you know like a sort of right. ephemeral content like podcasts and live streams in which like. If you're not staying up on that stuff, like maybe you don't know like what some of our favorite games have been this year, or like if people are interested in like top ten anime games, you know, like there are like right. there are ways that like we can we're th- we're Figure giving a lot out. of thought, yes, especially kind of like in this fall as things start to ramp up again. Uh, ways that we can sort of condense sort of like a lot of what our preferences are and things where we like that yep. can point people that essentially do what you're asking for from a Steam curation. Which is basically you're saying like, hey, what's that shit you like that I can just kind of reference? Like, yeah. I want to know what like Waypoint's into right now. Then the Steam curation is a way to do that that makes it easy for you to buy it. Yep. I'm not sure we're as interested in the connected to consumer part, but um, we are interested in making something that gives people a sense of like what either us as individuals or as a as a site are are into totally. right now and have been into. Yeah. So, so it, believe it, me, we're thinking about it. So yeah, hang tight. Uh, this one comes in from M in uh, New York City, who says, "Good morning, Waypointians. Waypointians? I don't know. Waypointians. This sure. question is mostly focused for Austin and Patrick, since they've been streaming Battlegrounds almost every morning for months, which is unbelievable. Uh, but I'd love to hear from all of you. I'm sure you've seen the community drama over a redditor being banned for supposedly stream sli- sniping mm. two popular streamers. As people who've been immersed in games for a long time and have frequently streamed different games, do you feel that stream sniping is as common as some are claiming?" with 15 to 20 snipers per match? Uh, or is this a case of confirmation bias in a small sample size? Thanks for your time. Best M from New York City. Well, I don't have any access to the numbers yeah, me on either. stream sniping, so that's difficult to like actually like drill down. My guess is somewhere in between. It's more than you think and less than 
is exaggerated. Yeah. Um, we haven't had any problems with that, but we also, you know, someone like um, Dr. Disrespect is streaming to 20,000 yes. people. And so just by sheer uh, viewer count, like, if you're basing it on the folks that are streaming to tens of thousands of people, they're just by sheer volume going to run into more of those people because there are more people that can roll the dice, right? right. There are more people yep. that can hit play and then see if they got into that match. Whereas, you know, with us, where we're averaging, you know, 600 to 1,000 people who are tuning into any individual stream, like, mm-hmm. it's just a smaller crowd. Also, like, we heavily curate our community. And so uh, we, I think we just attract the kind of people that are coming to Waypoint watching our stuff. I think we're attracting less people that are interested in griefing and trolling. And totally. Things, uh, like I, that. I, I, we, I, we have been streamed. We have been attempted to be stream sniped before. Yes. But like in a way that I think is a lot less – I don't know. It's, a, it's such a complex thing and I think it's weird to see what the response it's is. It's fine for it to be pl- – like uh, there's like a yeah. playful version of stream yeah. sniping. It was just like, hey, I want to play with Austin and Patrick and hopefully right. run into them. Like right. that's cool. Like yes. I get that. But there's a difference when it's like I'm watching their screen to find out where they are. Right. Um, I, what's what's wild is I saw you know they made uh, player on battlegrounds official I think it was I think it was Brendan's official like uh, Twitter was like yeah we take this really seriously and we punish it and the responses to that to that tweet in that thread were just yeah. like that's bullshit why would you ever ban somebody for stream sniping they just want to play with their favorite player this is ridiculous and it's like. Y'all have no room in your hearts to even think about the other perspective, huh? Like you just have made your minds that there is – I mean anything goes, period, the end, no matter what. And it's just a very strange thing for me. I, I, it, I don't know. It's weird. It's, it, it was very interesting about this game, especially given the, the concurrent information that came out this week about how the player known as right. know, number three on the all-time uh, sort of concurrent player is just under 500,000. It is interesting that Brendan Green, the uh, this is the chief designer behind this game, Player Unknown, uh, takes such a personal, hands-on approach yep. and response to like flare-ups in the community, specifically related to bannings, where he will respond to reports in his Twitter feed and either himself or hand off himself to his team. Like you just yeah. don't see that with games of that scale. My guess is one of the first things that's going to stop happening is him doing that because right. that's it's he wins. It's. I don't think he should be the person going out there and like providing the evidence and making the case for right. like different band. Like that's a team thing. Yeah. It also handed off it, to a comm manager. Yeah, it's like that's what your community team should be handling. And also, it makes him such a focal point over like if that stuff gets messy. If that's like maybe they make a mistake, like it going all on him is is a tough thing. But at the same time, this is something I thought about, and as I think about ways of talking about this game. I find it endlessly fascinating that there is someone who is such a focal point because that is not usually true for a lot of games. I guess we see this sometimes. Like, Luke Smith is kind of like that with Destiny. Um, Brendan Green is kind of like that with, or definitely is that with PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds. Mm -hmm. Um, Jeff Kaplan is is kind of that with with Overwatch. Like, um, Robert Bowling for a while was like that, obviously, back in in those days. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, that part's interesting, and I think that, like, I mean, even in our chat, we had someone just now say, like, "Come on, the streamers have every have every tool in their disposal to prevent stream sniping." Like, and I've saw that argument a lot. Like, oh, you just delay your stream by two minutes. Think about how bad our streams would be if they were delayed by two minutes. Oh yeah, that sucks. It would suck. Like, I, so I don't know. I think that there is there is a, a, a conversation to have here, but it's so fascinating to me to see that that, that conversation isn't a devil's advocate situ- uh, conversation. That isn't a conversation where people are saying, "Well, hypothetically, stream sniping isn't bad because X Y Z." It's lots of people saying stream sniping is good actually, and like. 
you're not bringing no. anything to bear to make that case. It's lots of people saying, like, prove it. Prove there's a stream sniper. And, like, the second that starts happening, the second that's your position, like, that's sus. Like, um, nah, I, I see where you're going with that. Like, that ends up being just a real shitty default position to be, like, to tell the people who run the game that they're lying about who right. they're banning for stream sniping. Like, at that point, there has been a breach of trust. Trust has been destroyed at, at some level. And there's a larger issue there that y'all have to work through. So, well, and it's, it's also difficult because we're talking about a game with that has been sold five million times. Yes, um, yep. that's a huge in, number. In which, that is a huge number, and so even when you have, let's say, thousands or even tens of thousands of people complaining about, like, let's say this, say like this specific thing, that is a tiny part of that yep. Yep. community. And so it's so hard. This is the you know, such a difficult part with whether it's running a community from like Waypoint or running a community. Like in Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, is like when you're dealing with large sections of people, like how much should you even be paying deference to right. the lar- the most vocal folks that are saying something because they may not actually be representative of anything. They're just representative by virtue of speaking up when most people choose not to totally. for all sorts of reasons. So totally. not the first time we've had a conversation like that. Probably won't be the last. But I also, I like the fact that, they're, that Brendan Green – takes control of his community and tries to like like when I wrote about that thing a couple of weeks ago about how he like reacted to mm-hmm. the role play uh, <laughs> violence from Dr. Disrespect like I think there's a lot of complicated ways to to look at that and I think there is even a potentially valid way that is that maybe he overreacted to something on Twitter but the fact that his response to role play violent rhetoric was to share and yeah. a, a, a his own personal story about violence. Like there are not many game designers that do that. So I'm going to like I'd rather designers err on the side of being more like that, even if it's a little reactionary, mm-hmm. because that's just not something you you see out. You don't see designers that, that with this such a uh, large public face being that vulnerable and involved. Right. And like I'd rather have more of that than totally. the, than not. Uh, last question. This one comes in from Portage in, in – uh, Lily from Portage in, in Michigan. I was like, Portage? That's an interesting name. Uh, Lily from, from Portage, Michigan, who says, uh, hello, Waypoint Radio. When Austin and Patrick had giant bombs, Vinny Caravella and Alex Navarro around for breakfast in Battlegrounds, when Vinny mentioned that later that day they were going to do a feature where they were going to play Super Mario Sunshine, which Austin referred to as a war crime, uh, <laughs> Patrick countered the game is incredible. It seems to me that both of these assessments are dishonest appraisals of the game. As someone who played it when it came out and, and enjoyed it, I feel like the honest thing to say about it is that it's a flawed game that plenty of people were able to have a lot of fun with. The movement was tight and fun, but the shooting and camera were very bad. And if you can't get past that second part, then you won't like it. However, something in people's brain shuts down when games like this are discussed. I feel the mm. same thing happens with Twilight Princess. Yeah, it was too long and the wolf sections are bad, but the double hook shot was super rad. And a Zelda or a Mario game that falls short of expectations is still better than most games. But people often shoot instantaneously to either extreme of them being total garbage or a precious baby that can do no wrong and must be protected at all costs, even critics like Austin, who usually have very nuanced takes on games. Why do you think that these big games and beloved franchises that didn't quite hit the mark cause people to lose their minds? Lily, I uh, love the podcast, Lily, from Michigan. Um, for me, one, the thing I was saying was a war crime was that feature, not playing the game. Uh, as someone who does video on the internet, I cannot imagine sitting in a room with Dan Reichert, who loves Super Mario Sunshine, mm-hmm. and like watching someone play through that game or doing the thing they're doing, just <laughs> handing off the controller. Like, I don't like that game. Don't lock me in a room with that game. That's terrible. <laughs> um, and, and so that's like my main, that's my, my, actually, that's not my main, that's my, my low key answer to that specific question. I think that the second thing for me is just 
being on a stream is so much different than writing criticism. Like mm-hmm. being on a stream is like being at your friend's house on a couch and playing a game together and shit talking a little bit and being a lot more off the cuff. And I almost always say things on stream where I make a little note in my head to be like, okay, I want to revisit this in a in a longer form piece in something where I can actually ex- expand on that instead of just having – we have this conversation all the time where we're like, hey, we had this little conversation this week uh, on the podcast. That could be a whole piece. That could be something where you right. dig into it deeper. Um, and I think that just comes with the territory to some degree. Being a critic does not – like I've said before, you're always in critic – I'm always in critic mode. But that does not mean that I'm always particularly eloquent. It doesn't mean that I'm, I'm always in my most thoughtful uh, when, when, it, when it comes to saying things. Uh, and that is – like a, that's like a tough bit of walking both lines. If all I did was write things, no one would ever see that other side of me. But it's not everything we do. We all have to be multi-talented right now. And so you get to see us, see us at our most uh, re- reactive and our most kind of – relaxed and, and thoughtful and are most edited also. I, I think also with uh, games that you played years ago, yeah, you yeah, tend yeah. to think of in binary terms. Right. Um, like because you the, the experience is not particularly fresh. So my guess is if I went back and played Super Mario Sunshine, I would come to similar conclusions yeah. as the person who wrote in. But I, I, do, I did really like that game. My guess is I still would really like that game. But like absent the context of having played it recently mm-hmm. where I could articulate like what I really liked about it and why that shines sh- mm-hmm. shines sun shines collects those shines mm-hmm. above the things that are are, uh, are don't really work like my my brain like flips to the binary which is like actually it was great right. um, because there's no way for me to articulate or even rebut the the criticisms or the, the right. problems with the game because I don't have anything except for my mind being like yo I liked that game a lot more than people did at the time yeah, and I think yeah, people yeah. were harsher on that game because it was a radical restructuring of how it was to play Mario game and that colored more of their opinion than actually what was good or bad about that right. game. Right. I mean, I also, like, so I didn't play a lot of that game when it came out. I played a little bit. I didn't have a GameCube so I only ever played it over at mm. friends' houses. I hated it when I played of it and in the last year I've been watching my friends Keith and Kyle over at RunButton, youtube.com slash RunButton, play through Super Mario Sunshine. So I've, like, seen all that level design again in the last year and thought it looked bad and, like, don't like any of the movement <laughs> mechanics and, like, don't I think there's like wait the the there's like some some basic design stuff that like really rubs me the wrong way, uh, and so that encourages me to be like oh it's garbage fuck that like and that is not again that is not a fully uh, uh, well researched position <laughs> I've not spent you know the last five months in the Super Mario Sunshine mines thinking deeply about about that level design if i did maybe i could have a more a more you know cogent argument against it but it it does also i think it you know you go to your your hyper extremes on a stream and then you you dial them back in when it comes down to sit down and write something um you know i think we do our best to be thoughtful around that stuff but there is just part of part of what we provide is an experience of hanging out with your friends like part of the the product of a life of every live stream is ah it's just us we're just fucking around Fuck you! You're wrong. Oh yeah, yeah that's Kingdom the best. Hearts is bad because Kingdom Hearts is bad. Right, that's what you say, and you know it isn't. You understand that lots of people really. You know that. Oh, you I understand. You understand that, that millions like... of people love Kingdom Hearts, and you're right. not taking that away from them, and you're not disputing no, that they do. I'm allowing people are allowed to right. like bad things every day. <laughs> <laughs> right, I understand. I haven't played those games. They've never been my thing, so I haven't. I haven't even tried. So, but I, you know, it's tough. It's a tough line to walk because you don't want to. Sometimes it boils up in you, and you go, that game is fucking, like, Mass Effect Andromeda, I put my fucking time into that game. I think that game is terrible. <laughs> but also... I don't think I'm ever going to play it. That's you a, shouldn't. a weird but also, feeling. also, 
I saw a friend of mine play through it, and they were tweeting about it on on Twitter this weekend, and saying like that game's really good. And I, I know that a visceral I'm, reaction. I did, but then I know I'm an adult now because I didn't message her. I wasn't like, no, you're wrong. Her specific thing was like, mm, nope, now I can't. You can't go down this path because now I'm subtweeting somebody. I'm not doing it. She's allowed to like that game. She's allowed to like that game. That's totally fine. <sighs> Let it out. I think that's going to do it for us today. This has been a good one. Patrick, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me hating on Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> oh, my God. At Patrick Kupik. You can find me on Twitter, at Austin underscore Walker. Tim, it's – this is – I don't know if oh, Patrick, right. Patrick, Patrick knows this now, right? Okay. Yeah. This is uh, – uh, I'm sorry to say, Tim Barnes, our last day. Wait, last point producing Waypoint Radio. Not the last day at Vice Total, but the last Waypoint Radio with, with Tim's beautiful touch. He's moving on to bigger and better things. I'm very excited about where – I can't say where he's going. I'm not allowed. He's told me no, but it's dope. Uh, so make sure to follow Tim at Tim Barnes 451 If you've liked this show in the last year, if you've liked this show in the last eight months or something like that, when did you start? Okay. Yeah, yeah. October, yeah. Tim started. Uh, it has been a better show because of Tim. Tim has made us sound great uh, and has, has been with us all the way since we used to be in a weird little side cabinet room till now. Uh, and that has been fantastic. So thank you so much, Tim, for, for helping us out. Make sure to listen to whatever he does next. And you can find that at Tim Barnes 451 on Twitter. So follow him there. Thank you also to Natalie Watson, who is our fantastic intern who has been streaming with us now for a couple of months. Also coming up on her last day as an intern fairly soon. Not yet, but, you know, soon. So thank you again to both of you. Uh, again, Natalie's not going anywhere yet. We'll have a different, we'll have another sad goodbye shortly, I'm sure. Uh, so thank you both. As always, you can find more information about us at waypoint.vice.com, at twitch.tv slash waypoint, at youtube.com slash waypointvice, at facebook.com slash waypointvice. I think that's it. I think that's... Oh, Bowen. Shout out to Bowen who lets us use his track, Miss You Off the EP Pale Machine. Find out more info about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Danielle isn't here, so I guess... I guess no one has to be good or be good at it. I, we can be bad, Patrick. We're going to be bad. Just like Kingdom Hearts! Okay. Woo! All right. On that note, peace. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.